Hey, everybody. Welcome to ASC Radio. I'm your host, Sasquatch. Uh, my guest this week is a stand-up comedian, a TV personality, I guess. Sure. Uh, he's a uh, an actor. He's, he's acted before, mm-hmm. and he's a writer. Uh, <laughs> I like to drag this out as much as possible. I will act again, too, by the way. Okay. I'm not done acting. <laughs> right. I'm hoping uh, to do two more actings. Nice. Uh, hey, it's Paul Tompkins, everybody. Hey. How's it going, Paul? Everybody. It's going good, man. How you doing? Good. Sasquatch. Yeah. Everybody does it. I'm sorry. Yeah. Well, it's fun. I, I'm a I'm a loyal AST radio listener. I've listened to every uh, every podcast. That's exciting. Um, and I think uh, I may have the distinction of uh, actually being mentioned on every single show. I wouldn't be surprised. This is my first time on it, but I think yeah. I'm the only person that's been mentioned on every <laughs> single episode of the show. I haven't. I have not kept track of that, but I bet. Oh, I have. Okay. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, uh, well, you're in a lot of shows, and we, we plug a lot of shows, that's and true. you're usually in one of the ones that we're plugging, mm-hmm. uh, so that's one way to get mentioned. If, if people are looking to get mentioned, do shows. Yeah, <laughs> if any broke, don't fix it, folks. <laughs> All right, well, Paul, uh, this is very exciting to have you. You're one of the, I'd say, you're a major figure in the AST <laughs> world of comedy, uh, right. as I like to call it, which I've never <laughs> called it that. <laughs> never, never once have I called it that. I think that's going to catch on. <laughs> right. Well, I do. I have to say, just brief uh, tangent. You know, a lot of people don't like the term alternative comedy. Right. And I've started feeling like, why don't we just call it? AST comedy. Isn't that a better name for it? <laughs> that doesn't seem self-aggrandizing <laughs> no. at all. What? I don't get anything out of it. It's just a nice thing to call it. It doesn't well, have any negative. you get negative. a little something out of it because people say, what's AST mean? And then they have to explain right. what AST I'm is. not pushing it. That's the, I shouldn't have even said anything because I don't want, I'm not pushing it, but if it happens, I won't complain. What, what is this reverse <laughs> psychology you're trying now? All right. You know what? Don't call it that. So, I urge everyone to not call it that. <laughs> what do you uh, What do you think of the term alternative comedy? It's never bothered me. It's never bothered me because uh, for me, it denoted something, uh, you know, general enough that uh, it denoted something that I knew generally I was going to like. Yeah, you know, it was, um, you know, it, it didn't. It, I don't know. It's a really tricky thing because it doesn't cover everything yeah. uh, that necessarily falls under that umbrella or maybe i guess some things don't fall into that you know what i'm trying to say yeah is that um you know it's it's like a hard thing to define but you know it when you see it yeah. you know and uh so for me when i heard when i would hear somebody say that's an alternative room i would say oh okay i know sort of what to expect there yeah but more more specifically i know what not to expect there mm-hmm. you know it's more it's more a term that defines what something isn't than what something is mm-hmm. and um it didn't bother me you know yeah. i mean it it you know, I, I think a lot of people got jammed up about it because it was often used as a pejorative and, you know, right. that uh, people would put quotes around it when yeah. they would say it, you know. And the idea from, I think, uh, mainstream comics that were doing clubs was that, oh, you just get up with uh, your notebook and you talk about your day or you talk about uh, auditions you went on. Right, and, right. And, you know, to be fair, there were a lot of people that were doing that because – I think that the the people that were really good in that world, people like Kindler and people like that, made it look easy, right. made it look deceptively easy mm-hmm. that, oh, that's all you have to do. Yeah. But they didn't understand that, that uh, and it's been said before, that these guys were coming from um, paying their dues on the road, having worked the clubs for right. so long that this was them blowing off steam and getting to be funny in a way that they were funny off stage. Mm-hmm. You know? And what a great joy it was to do that on stage with people that – we're giving you enough credit. Yeah. Um, the thing, the most important thing about 
alternative to me meant that, and this was all I ever wanted, was it meant that there was an audience that was going to pay attention. Mm -hmm. And it, it's not like, oh, I expect people to laugh at every single thing I say. Mm -hmm. I All I ever wanted from when I, when I first started was, Please just give me a chance mm -hmm. and hear me out, and maybe we'll have fun together. Right. You know, if you will just follow me on this tangent, yeah. you know, I'm actually going somewhere. Yeah. And I know it's been more than ten seconds without a punchline, right. but I'm actually it's going to be fun if you will hang in there with yeah. me. You know, because the conventional uh, approach to comedy and, and what I think audiences are conditioned to expect is. Uh, the comic has to win you over very quickly. Yeah. And uh, and that's fine. And a lot of great comedy comes out of that approach. Yeah. But I think what's interesting is when you say, what if you give, what if, what if you're patient and what if you're respectful, mm -hmm. maybe something different, but also rewarding and interesting and funny will, will, will result. Yeah. And that to me seems to be what alternative comedy is about. And it doesn't always conform to that, but. Absolutely. Uh, but I think. It just means uh, just have an open mind, mm -hmm. and, and it's and it's tricky because even alternative rooms don't always have that. Uh, no, but here's the big difference: is uh, in alternative rooms, if they don't think something's funny, they just don't laugh. Right. You know, they don't. It's not, they don't say, you know what? I've decided this is worthy of mention, right. and I have to point out to the rest of my right. uh, colleagues here that I think this guy sucks and should not quit his day job. Right. You know, and that was, you know, that's. That just ruins it because mm -hmm. then uh, the, the the big difference is in an alternative room, if you don't have them uh, for a little bit, there's a chance you can get them again if mm -hmm. because the audience will be uh, quiet. You yeah. know, If they don't think something's funny, they'll be quiet. And then you have a chance, though, to actually uh, to bring them back mm -hmm. you know, and bring them around. Yeah. Whereas in, in the clubs, in mainstream clubs, if, if somebody's yelling shit out, it's like – how are you supposed to get anything done? You right. know? Then it's all about dealing with this guy, yeah. dealing something out. And it's all about saving face and how you appear to the rest of the crowd and all the right. ridiculous, like, Yakuza bullshit <laughs> that you have to go through. <laughs> you know, it's like a, all of a sudden this weird, you know, it's about manners and <laughs> the Discovery Channel and everything. Of You know, <laughs> he's weak. He's weak. Let's go after him. You know, uh, it's it's just ridiculous. That's what I love about the... the uh, the alternative rooms is that if they don't like it, they just you don't hear anything. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and and, and that kind of speaks for itself. You know, that mm -hmm. really speaks for itself. That yeah. if you're not getting laughs, well, there's the proof. You mm -hmm. know, <laughs> that it's, that you're not maybe doing that well. Right. I mean, if comedy, I, I like to think of stand up as being one of the purest forms of entertainment because mm -hmm. it's just someone talking. There's no. Yeah. Uh, you're not, you know, there's no pictures, there's no, you know, music. It's Absolutely. Just, it's just ideas uh, and, and how you present them. But, yeah, well, and that's I, an art too. But I, I talk about this with musician friends of mine all the time. And, and uh, you know, they always say that uh, they think comedy is, is so much harder than music and they can yeah. never do it. And I say, you know what? You're right. Because <laughs> at the end of, at the end of a song, even if people are bored they're not really paying attention yeah. at the end of the song everybody has to clap you know <laughs> what true, i mean yeah. uh even if they've talked all the way through the song right. at the end you get a little break and everything yeah and it's a weird when when music gets rowdy and when people are yelling at musicians i mean that is a rough thing but mm. um they do have something to do right <laughs> you know, they can go into a song <laughs> and they can sort of go away for a little bit yeah whereas when you're up there doing stand-up that really is it you have nowhere to hide right you know? right yeah, um, and I was just thinking, like, when, when people, if there's a situation where people are heckling, uh, 
you know, it, it just takes you so far away from what it should be about, which is uh, sort of uh, sharing who you are with people. I mean, that, if that's the idea yeah. is communicating to people and ex- explaining how you feel or how you think about something. Yeah, yeah. Then, uh, <laughs> then there's a dog in your lap <laughs> for no reason. Uh Yes, uh, my dog is here. <laughs> she loves comedy. She loves to talk about it, but she can't talk. So. <laughs> she loves comedy and those sticks. <laughs> yeah. I I give her sticks to. <laughs> I bribe her. I bribe. I have to bribe her to leave the guests alone. That's, the, that's how it works. Uh, but anyway, I I just, I just feel like uh, maybe there's if if people are just quiet, even if they're not accepting it, even if they're saying no in their heads, mm-hmm. there's still the chance for you to share your ideas and, and open yourself up to people. And maybe if, even if some people aren't digging it, other people, you know, don't have to be disturbed by them. Yeah. Not yeah, yeah. But uh, what I, what I've learned though, is that there's uh, in dealing with hecklers, you know, even if it's uh, people that are just trying to get in on the act, you know, they're not necessarily saying you suck, mm-hmm. but they want to add something to right. what you're saying. Um, when people are being disruptive in any way, mm-hmm. is that now you have, and it took me forever to learn this, is that now you have another chance to sort of show people who you are. Yeah, you know? yeah. And when I first started, it was all about, you know, I had it in my head that uh, I think because I lacked confidence was uh, you just got to shut those people down. You just mm-hmm. got to shut them down right mm-hmm. away and uh, and make an example of them and, you know, uh, right. put them in their place. And um, And it took me forever to kind of realize that, First of all, a better way to go about it was sort of a kill him with kindness kind of thing. Yeah. Like laugh about it and like, mm-hmm. you know, what what did you have to say and and let me in on the joke and let's right. have fun together or yeah. whatever. But then I also I began to sort of enjoy it after a while, mm-hmm. you know, when people would do that. It became amusing to me in mm-hmm. a way that it never had before, <laughs> you know, that it, it I I kind of started to trip out on the psychology of it, yeah, you know, yeah. and and I I loved thinking about the different ways that people sort of interrupt a show and mm-hmm. uh what their motivations are and, and right. you could you, you know you could see it in that this is a guy who you know wants to be funny this is a guy who uh genuinely thinks that i'm funny and mm-hmm. really is like so excited that he's just adding right. things right this is a guy who's just hammered mm-hmm. you know this is a guy who doesn't like the show and doesn't realize that he's sort of uh, outnumbered by everybody else. Yeah, that yeah. Maybe most of the people are, are liking it. And then, you know, occasionally there's the guy who is the foreman for the audience that nobody's liking it, and he's the guy that is vocalizing say, it. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> they, they voted me president, and yeah. now I have to yeah, yeah. tell and you. He, and that is always the, the biggest challenge, you know, when there's somebody that's, uh, you know, uh, giving you a hard time, and the audience is on his side, mm-hmm. um, to kind of win people over after that Mm -hmm. you know is it's an uphill battle but when you can do it it's amazingly satisfying yeah yeah well we can talk more about uh comedy theory uh down the road but i want to get and comedy practice yeah well both really (laughs) you can't have one without the other (laughs) it's true (laughs) that's what the song says good point um so uh, but i wanted to go back and 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 get a little background on uh your uh, how you got started and sure. uh, you you grew up in Philadelphia correct yeah okay yeah, yeah. and uh, this is the standard question uh, what was uh, what role did comedy play in your life when you were growing up uh, I from as long from as far back as I can remember I always loved it mm-hmm. and I would watch uh, stand up on TV uh, stand up and sketch and uh, sitcoms I loved any kind of comedy really mm-hmm. and uh, but stand up was always so fascinating to me and. Uh, to see people out there, you know, on TV shows that were that were doing stand up, it was, you know, it was 
so exciting to me. Like mm-hmm. that seemed like that seemed like it to me. That, yeah. You know, for a kid who you know I was from a big family and I wanted attention and everything, um, that seemed like the best because it's you know just one person by themselves right. and all eyes are on them. Right. Like that is for me. You know, <laughs> so I was a class clown in school and mm-hmm. you know um, constantly, constantly trying to make people laugh mm-hmm. all the time. You uh, you're. People refer to you as a storyteller. Your style of comedy is, is narrative. Uh, did you do any writing when you were a kid? Were you into that? A little bit, you know. But um, I, I, I wish I had. I wish I'd done more. I drew a lot when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. I, I, I drew a lot, and uh, it's weird. I don't draw at all anymore. Like <laughs> yeah. never. But yeah, yeah. when I was a kid, I, I drew all the time, and mm-hmm. I would say up until. Up until high school, you know, mm-hmm. I was very avid, uh, avidly into uh, into art and drawing and cartoons and things mm-hmm. like that. And then that just sort of went away, you know. Were you good at it? No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I was I, – when I started, I think I was uh, really good for my age. Yeah. And then I uh, sort of lapped myself. Like I got, <laughs> I got to where um, – you know, I started out uh, like uh, – you know, uh, maybe a little advanced mm-hmm. for how old I was. Then I hit uh, the age where uh, I was doing exactly what I would be doing at that age. Mm-hmm. And then I got older and I was still drawing at that level. So uh, <laughs> right. maybe that's why I stopped doing it. Was yeah, that yeah. I, <laughs> I, I did not advance at all. <laughs> <laughs> it's weird because I, I drew a lot too as a kid. But I, I remember, I clearly remember even being as a young kid being frustrated that I couldn't do what I wanted to do. Exactly. You know, like, exactly. I just want to make this shape yeah, yeah, <laughs> why yeah, yeah. can't i make this shape i remember that feeling too that it's just it, like this lack of control over your own motor skills yeah it just it's wouldn't horrible. happen and you know, somebody gave me the book about how to draw comic books or something like that how to draw the was, marvel way yeah was it that? no it was it was this guy tony tallarico um <laughs> my sister gave me this book and uh it was you know how to draw how to draw like comic books how to draw this that mm-hmm. whatever but it was all like making the oval head and the yeah. the you know the crosses to right. delineate the the quadrants of the body and the face. Right, and like right. this, is, this is not what I want to do. <laughs> it was like taking piano. I took three piano lessons, mm-hmm. and at the end of three piano lessons, I couldn't play the piano. And I thought this is <laughs> bullshit. Right. <laughs> what am I, am I supposed to do? These scales over and over and over again. Right. So I, I just never had any patience for learning that sort of thing. Yeah. You know? the, I've always learned best when uh, I wasn't aware that I was learning, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. but anytime somebody says, here's how you figure out how to do this, mm-hmm. I was never interested. <laughs> right. Uh, were you a good student? No, I was a terrible student. I was good at the things that interested me. You know, mm-hmm. I excelled in, in, um, you know, anything with, with language and, mm-hmm. and, uh, um, you know, I, I liked uh, I liked some years. I liked history. Some years I didn't like history. It depended on the history. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was always a good English student, and I was a great speller, and you know all mm-hmm. that sort of thing. But math, science, I was terrible, 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 mm-hmm. terrible. Went to uh, summer school for chemistry because chemistry was the worst because it involved science and math. <laughs> right. And then uh, I was fucked. You know, it right. Was, it was bad. So. Uh... When did you finally get on stage, or, or did you do like plays and stuff? Were you into that? Yeah, kind of thing? I, in high school, I did. Uh, I did plays. We did. <laughs> we did musicals. Mm-hmm. Uh, I always wanted to do like a, just a regular play, but it was always right. musicals because right. I guess that was the most 
production value, I guess. <laughs> you know, like who wants to see a bunch of bad kid actors right. doing a, a you know inherit the wind or something? <laughs> Maybe we'll have some songs and dancing, yeah. and that will make it better for the parents. Right. Um, but uh, yeah, I was uh, I was I was big into that. In, uh, in high school. So did you get the non-singing parts in plays? Or could you sing? Oh, you I actually, could sing. Oh, I you... actually have quite a lovely oh, voice. Okay. Yeah, that's true. Sorry, I didn't mean to offend. Well, that's quite all right. Uh, <laughs> I was just thinking about myself. Like, I was always, like, the guy, you know, in West Side Story, the, the guy who organized the dance. <laughs> Say, hey, everybody, wait a minute. <laughs> like, <laughs> so lame. Well, you still remember your lines from that long ago. Uh, don't that, don't quote me on the exact. <laughs> I don't know. I've seen that play done a few times. I think that might be it. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I I I would do character parts, but there were always songs. Mm-hmm. Like you could not escape singing. Everybody had to right. sing. Mm-hmm. I was lucky enough to escape dancing for a lot of the shows, and then <laughs> my senior year um had to do. We did in the fall. We did children's theater, mm-hmm. and in the spring we did like a big established musical. So in the fall we would do like a half-assed adaptation of some kid's story. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know where they found these things. Like we did Hansel and Gretel one year, and then mm-hmm. there were songs in it, and we, we did this crazy thing where we would insert a song from a popular musical of the day. Mm-hmm. So we were doing Hansel and Gretel. This was in 1985. And then uh, they put in a song from Starlight Express, which is a musical <laughs> all about trains. Uh, with People were on roller skates, uh, and they were singing about trains. And then in the, in the middle of, the song, of this musical, there's a song from Starlight Express that's clearly about trains, <laughs> you know? And uh, then that uh, – so my senior year, we did uh, some uh, – illegal version of Mary Poppins where um, we just did a staged version of it yeah. with the songs from the movie and everything. That was never a play. You know? <laughs> right. We just adapted the movie and uh, actually at one point had footage from the film um, but because <laughs> wow. there was this big long costume change that people needed to go through. Yeah. So a screen came down and then there was the uh, the scene of Dick Van Dyke dancing with the <laughs> penguins like in its entirety and then back to our show. I was about to say, well, why was that illegal? <laughs> oh, well, that's why. That would explain it. The actual but footage. I, we were told, you know, that we had to be kind of hush-hush about it, you mm-hmm. know, because I, I – well, I think I overheard the director talking to someone and, uh, you know, the idea that this – we had to we, – we couldn't call it Mary Poppins. It was – it was called the practically perfect nanny because if we had called it Mary Poppins, somebody would have said, "Well, there's really only one version of Mary Poppins, yeah. and we own it." Mm-hmm. So they might have gone to Wincote, Pennsylvania, to, <laughs> yeah, to shut us down, crack down on the high school. That's right, and then we all lose our cabaret cards. <laughs> then I'm reading my transcripts from the trial. That w- it, that itself would make a good play, actually. <laughs> high school kids put on trial for stealing a fucking Disney movie. <laughs> no one is above the law. <laughs> no. That would be actually. I'm gonna write that. <laughs> all right, do it. Do it. <laughs> but now I'm stealing it from you. That's another layer. That's quite all right. As long as we have the proof here on the podcast. Right. Yeah. Well, that's what's gonna. They're gonna play this podcast in the trial. Oh, of that's the gonna be awesome. Play about the trial. Everybody has to put in earbuds. <laughs> <laughs> it's so great to see a judge with an iPod. <laughs> Let me just uh, cue this up. Oh, was it playlists? <laughs> uh, that'd be great. All right. So, uh, so, but when did you get into stand up? Like, when did you first? Or you, you, you kind of did sketch stuff, right? Uh, well, first, Can I, did, I just keep guessing until I get it right. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a it was stand up uh, sketch, uh, improv. What was it? Uh, I did. Uh, I did stand up first. I. I uh, went to high school with this guy Rick Roman, who was a few years ahead of me, mm-hmm. um, and uh, he 
graduated before I did, went to Arizona for uh, Arizona State for college and got into stand-up out there. Mm-hmm. And then he came back around the time when I was graduating from high school and said, do you want to get an act together? And I said, yeah, I'd always wanted to do stand-up, but I never knew how to go about it really. Mm-hmm. It's like one – it's weird because it was – I didn't uh, – it, it, I, I didn't even know how to think about it. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? It's, mm-hmm. it, it never entered my mind that that was actually a possibility that yeah. I could do it. It was just always – you know, like I wish that was me, kind of right. thing. But it, I, <laughs> it never occurred to me to look into how one might get into that. Right. You know, it just seemed—I guess it just seemed impossible. Like, yeah. well, those people live in a different world. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's, that doesn't happen here where I live. You right. know, I'd never been to a comedy club. Mm-hmm. Um, I was sort of dimly aware that they existed. You know, yeah. but I had never been inside one. So he said, "Let's get an act together." So we uh, took like a month um, and cobbled together some uh some bits that were um you know we we did sort of uh absurdist stuff um mm-hmm. you know more more sketch like than than like uh we, we were never really ourselves you know mm-hmm. we were only ourselves in order to set up the bit you yeah. know but we never had any real banter or anything like that mm-hmm. you know um we, we were never fully real people on the stage <laughs> right um and so uh it was july 11th, 1986, and we went up for the first time at the Comedy Factory Outlet in mm-hmm. Philadelphia. Um, and that was it. We did like five minutes, and and, uh, and I've been doing it ever since. Were, were you instantly aware of like, oh, yeah, this is it. Like, I'm going to yeah. do this for the rest of my life. Yeah. Well, again, I don't think I even – I don't know if I even intellectualized it like that. I think it was I, – I think it was just something that I knew without mm-hmm. thinking about it. Like – uh, now I'm in it. Yeah, know? yeah. Although it's hard to say. I mean, it was almost, it was 20 years ago. You yeah. Know? So yeah. I, I, like the the memories fade of mm-hmm. of what was actually going through. My, but I think also because of such a rush of emotions and and different thoughts that. Yeah. Uh, but I, I I was sort of like when I dropped out of college, um, I it didn't occur to me till much later that I dropped out because. I realized I had found what I wanted to do mm-hmm. and college didn't make sense to me anymore. Mm-hmm. Like there's nothing in college that's going to help me do this thing that I'm trying to right, do. So right. what am I doing here? You know, but at the time I, I was not able to intellectualize that. It was just, I gradually, I, I, I started going less and less and less. Mm-hmm. So I didn't just full on drop out of college. It was, yeah. I, I dropped out in, in increments, mm-hmm. you know, and then all of a sudden I wasn't there anymore. Where'd you go? I went to Temple university mm-hmm. for about a semester and a half. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know where where Bill Cosby went. Right. So hopefully one day I will get an honorary doctorate <laughs> from the college that I dropped out of. Yeah. <laughs> did he? He didn't, did. He didn't drop out though, did he? Oh yeah. Oh, he dropped yeah, out. Yeah, Bill Cosby oh, wow. dropped out. Yeah. Because now he's like a doctor and everyone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's very suspicious. Well, you know, I did. Uh, I did. I did a bit years ago. The first time I did Conan about uh, you know Bill Cosby and his honorary doctorate because he uses it in the end credits of all his TV shows. Right. You know, Doctor William H. Cosby. <laughs> It's like I said, you can't do that. That's like if they if they give you the key to the city, it doesn't actually open anything. I mean, <laughs> right. You can't. It's just honorary. You know, somebody calls you a prince. Oh, I'm a prince. Off with his head. Yeah. You know. Um, and then I, I so I did it on Conan, and then uh, I was going to do it on uh, Premium Blend on Comedy Central, mm-hmm. and uh, the uh, the booker said you can't do that because uh, he does have a real degree. And I said I don't think he does. And, Said no, legally we're in trouble if you do. I'm like, I already did it on Conan. You know, don't be sued them. Right. So I still, I have not bothered to look it up, but I still contend that he has an honorary degree, right? And just uses it, which I think is rude. Yeah. 
<laughs> I actually used to think because I watched the Cosby show, you know, every week as a kid. Absolutely. I thought William H. Cosby, PhD or whatever it says. I thought that was his dad. Because <laughs> it's like. Uh, but you know what? It's so pretentious yeah. that you might as well think that. Yeah. It might as well be another person because that's kind of what he's trying to say. Yeah. You know, it's like, oh, Bill's the funny man that's out front. He's the clown. But right. Dr. William right. H. Cosby is the one that injects the social message into the show. Yeah. You know, oversees the keeping of morals and standards for all of a black America. He's the prince of the operation. <laughs> exactly. Bill's just a clown out front. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> What's odd is that I think, if I'm not mistaken, Spike Lee either used to or maybe still does the same thing. Like he has Sheldon J. Lee in, in the credits <laughs> <laughs> for like certain things. I, I don't know what that is. It's so weird. <laughs> I had no idea. It's like, well, Spike couldn't edit this film, but Sheldon yeah, it could. It takes Sheldon to do it. Yeah. Spike's, Spike's all here and there. He's a yeah. flippity gibbet. <laughs> but Sheldon has the focus needed to edit. I'm going to have to look up exactly what Sheldon was credited for. Because <laughs> I actually think it was just his early films, if not only one. It just like She's Got to Have It or something. Wow. You've really blown this way out of proportion. I'm really taking it. I'm scaling it back to the point where I'm apologizing. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Spike. <laughs> You'll never be in one of his joints. <laughs> no. <laughs> I was talking about that with someone the other day. Like, does he do non-joints? Because I think, like, sometimes, and I was wrong about this. I, I said that I think when he writes it, it's a joint, and mm-hmm. when he doesn't, it's just a film. But then Inside Man was actually a Spike Lee joint, and he didn't write it. So, <laughs> so it is a joint. <laughs> it's a joint. Okay, all right. But I swear to God, he's done non-joints. <laughs> like, uh... 25th hour, I well, thought, was not a joint. There's no way of looking this up. No. Well, not it's right impossible. now because I don't have Wi-Fi on this All computer. Right, take it easy. <laughs> oh, boy, are we off track. Because <laughs> <laughs> there was something else I wanted to say about uh, what you were talking about getting on stage. Oh, I know. Um, well, you, we got into your college experience. But before that, you were saying when you first got on stage, um, did you feel like, and, and I know maybe it's hard to remember now, but um, was it just that you kind of had pierced that uh, whatever that is where – you thought it was like those people were magic and you, you just you would know if you were like them it would be a thing and then once you pierced that bubble you were like oh no it's just this thing you do and um that didn't come until much later mm-hmm. you know because uh in the in the early days it was um it was a, a it was a panic frankly mm-hmm. you know it was um it was a panic the panic of uh wanting to get better yeah you know and uh you know, thinking thinking that I was really good and really ahead of my time, mm-hmm. you know, but I was not. I was exactly at my time. <laughs> um, but uh, it was that thing of, of, you know, desperately wanting to move up, you mm-hmm. know, wanting to have enough time to go from, um, you know, doing the open mics to emceeing, mm-hmm. wanting to be strong enough and have enough time to go from emceeing to middling and then, you know, headlining, which yeah. seemed so far in the future, you know, and in truth it was, you know, it was a long time before I headlined. Um, and it was, uh, it didn't become sort of, I don't want to say workmanlike because it's never really been like that, uh, necessarily for me. I never really felt that way, but Mm -hmm. when I started to realize, and it was an exciting thing when I started to realize, I know what I'm doing, Mm -hmm. you know, like I get this and, Mm -hmm. um, and then it became, uh, it became fun to me all over again, you yeah. know, because it was really like, like realizing that I learned things, mm-hmm. you know, that I've kind of, I'm actually kind of good at this and yeah. I do have experience and I do have knowledge of how this works. And, and, um, you know, then it became less about, uh, am I funny? 
mm-hmm. know, which in the early days it is. It's it's yeah. you you have doubts about that. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that I'm funny, but you know, I need to get more laughs. You know, yeah, I, yeah. I, I it's not about these people are too dumb to understand me. Mm-hmm. You know, even though I tried to pass it off that way. Mm-hmm. You know, so many times back then, like, <laughs> yeah, I'm just I'm just too smart. Like, what I do is just too sophisticated. <laughs> it was not at all. <laughs> um, but then it became. You know, the, and where I am now, uh, and I have been for a little while, is the the the, the pure challenge of it of mm-hmm. how do I make what's in my head funny to this audience mm-hmm. um, in the way that it's funny to me? Mm-hmm. Like, what's the closest approximation I can give of what's going on in my brain? You yeah, know? because yeah. that is the real challenge: is how do I communicate this? to these people in the way that it is funny to me, but right. so that they can understand it, you know, right. short of actually reading my mind, mm-hmm. you know, and it's, that's still fun to me. You know, yeah, that's, yeah. that's still fun to me. And that's what it's all about. <laughs> Whatever dogs. <laughs> it's my theory. As you were saying that I saw a cat jump across. The... <laughs> that's why they're barking. There's a Man, cat jumping. Why are dogs and cats still enemies? <laughs> it's know. been millions of years. I, I think they're not it's used a... to each other yet. I honestly think it's a misunderstanding. <laughs> it's a big... But you know what? They're both too proud to talk to each other. <laughs> right. they, they, if they could just sit down <laughs> and just have some tea, <laughs> talk about it calmly. Exactly. Uh, well, yeah. So, uh, but but more practically, how long did uh, were you in a duo? When did you start doing it solo? Uh, we were a team for about uh, a year and a half, mm-hmm. and then we frankly, you know, just got on each other's nerves so much that we mm-hmm. we split up. Um, which you know that happens a lot. That happens a lot. It's it's a really that's such a tricky relationship, you mm-hmm. know. And some people are able to do it forever. And some people uh, are able to do it for only a certain amount of time, yeah. and it's it's a very it, it's a very intense relationship. You know, mm-hmm. it's a really intense relationship, and especially at that age, you know, we were both pretty young, and yeah. we both had uh, you know our own ideas about things. We we our sensibilities were very similar, but um, there were times where we uh, just could not see eye to eye at all, mm-hmm. and then our way of expressing that to each other was terrible, of course, and <laughs> yeah. you know, so there was a lot of friction, and then. Uh, so we we split up, and then I think I took like a month off or something to kind of put together some solo material, and mm-hmm. um, and then that was it. And then I went back on stage, and mm-hmm. um, uh, but I, you know, by the time we split up, I knew that I was going to keep doing it. Yeah, you know, that was yeah. never a question in my mind of of you know, well, I guess that's that. Yeah. You know, it was always, well, you know, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna continue this because I, yeah. I loved it more than anything. Mm-hmm. Um. So it was it was uh, sort of starting from scratch, but uh, well, it was it absolutely was because mm-hmm. it, I was a totally different entity now, you know. Yeah. Um, but I did have uh, uh, you know some support. I had I, by that point I I had made some some really good friends in comedy, people that are still my friends to this day that mm-hmm. um, you know were extremely supportive and everything. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah, and that was it. So what was your act like back then? Was it similar to what it is now or no? Less? Well. I think that if you saw that stuff, you could see the the sort of glimmer of what my my material is like now. Mm-hmm. But uh, I didn't have the the skills yet. I didn't have the tools yet. Mm-hmm. I didn't know how to do it. Mm-hmm. I knew uh, like where I am now is kind of where I wanted to be. Uh, it's almost almost where I, I'm almost where I want to be now. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like I I feel like it never 
it never stops and it should never stop. Mm-hmm. That um, I would never want to get to the point where I was so complacent that I felt like I'm, I'm done evolving yeah. as, as a yeah. stand-up. You know, like this is it. this is just me forever. Right. You know? Right. Because I, for me, it's it's getting as close to. Uh, the idea is, is getting as close to me on stage as possible, being mm-hmm. the most me that I can be. So I feel like if I stop evolving on stage, it's because I've stopped evolving <laughs> as a person, right. you know, which it doesn't interest me that much. Frankly. Yeah. But in the early days, it was – I did try to uh, do stuff that I thought was uh, more interesting you know, and mm-hmm. more unique. And I tried to stay away from um, well-trod material, although – I had men and women stuff, you know, mm-hmm. and I, but I, I thought like, well, but I'm doing it differently than other people are doing, yeah, you know, yeah. and maybe I was, but not really, not that much, you <laughs> yeah, know, yeah. but, uh, you know, it was, uh, it was pretty clubby because that's, that's, you know, what I learned and that's all that there was at the time really. Yeah. Um, and anybody who wasn't clubby, somebody like Franklin Ajay or somebody like that was so out there that's like, well, you never thought you could be like that. Yeah. You know, you never thought you could do your own version of that. Right. It just seemed impossible. It's like, yeah. well, that's that guy. I right. mean, he's right. a one of a kind and that's it, you know. Mm-hmm. Um but I was seeing a lot of club comics and mm-hmm. and you know, that's what I learned and it was it was uh, the heartbreak of stand up is is learning things, you know, mm-hmm. is seeing behind the curtain and and when you sort of like a guy you thought was really funny that you'd seen in the clubs, and then you mm-hmm. you find out, oh, he's a hack. <laughs> you know, like there's a lot of guys doing those jokes. Yeah. That was heartbreaking. Yeah. You know, I loved that guy. I thought he was hilarious. And then right. seeing like you know so many variations on that mm-hmm. bit, like eh, yeah, that guy's kind of a hack. Um, well, it's probably a stage where you just seeing somebody kill is like, wow, that's amazing. Oh, absolutely. You don't. It doesn't like no matter how they're getting it done. Absolutely. It's just impressive. Well, I mean, within reason. You know, when there was somebody that that uh, was you know really uh, dirty, like I I prided myself on not being dirty at all, and mm-hmm. I never swore. You know, for the longest time, and mm-hmm. um, wouldn't ever talk about anything sexually or anything like that, and. Uh, you know, I was very highfalutin and like that's too easy. Mm-hmm. And but I hadn't seen anybody do it until I, th- I think probably Hicks. You know, mm-hmm. that did it in a really interesting and funny way. Yeah. Where I I couldn't deny it. Like, yeah. oh, well, I I didn't realize that was possible. Right. You know, what I had been seeing was just people being really base. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'd never seen somebody be smart and funny talking about sex. You know, at yeah. the same time, it was like oh, I didn't realize this could even be done. You know. Right. So it was it was quite a revelation, but I, I definitely had very um, <laughs> high flutin ideals, and guess what? I still do. I'm still <laughs> extremely judgmental, um, and uh, you know, I I still am. Uh, uh, I I still do take great <laughs> uh, shameful pride in things that I do, and feel like I do it better than everybody else. You know, right. I feel like well, my method is the best, but I suppose that guy's okay for what he does. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> I mean, it's not quite that bad, but there are there are instances where, you know, I. I uh, I do kind of, I do kind of feel that way. I think some things are are a little easy, and and you know, I I, I try to steer clear of of certain things because, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I I I know that it does push a button in the audience. There's there's like even in the, it's funny that when the alternative movement, um, was generating its own hacks, mm-hmm. you know, that was like an interesting thing to see because yeah. I feel like I was on the fringes of it when it was kind of getting started. I was not established in it at all, but, mm-hmm. um. 
over time, you know, I, I've been here for 12 years now, and, mm-hmm. and I got here when it was just kind of starting out, um, when it was really starting to blossom, you mm-hmm. know. And seeing the alternative version of hack comedy, is yeah. it was hilarious to me. Like, oh, okay, I, I see what you're doing. I right. see what you're doing. And, uh, you know, when the the word rape was becoming very popular and everybody right. had a joke where rape was involved yeah. or uh, throwing out the N-word or something like that, mm-hmm. like, yeah, that's you can't just do that. That's... That's not good enough. Right. You know, you have to – if you're going to do something like that, please have a, a concept that's mm-hmm. interesting or, or an interesting premise. It can't right. just be here's a setup and then at the end, rape. <laughs> oh, you're not yeah. supposed to say that. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I'm scandalized, but I also admire you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sure there were just people bringing notebooks on stage for no reason with, like, nothing in it. <laughs> Just doing their act, but yeah, they're looking at it exactly. like, oh, what do I, what else, what else? <laughs> Guy walks into a bar. <laughs> exactly. Which is the most ironic t shirt to wear. <laughs> right. So when, uh, so you moved out here in 94? 94, yeah. Um, and what was your, what stage were you at in Philly? Had you graduated to middle? Had I was middling, yeah. I was middling at that time. And, and, uh, I, for the longest time, I, I, by the time I started middling, I just, Worked almost exclusively at the uh, the Funny Bone in mm-hmm. Philadelphia. Um, I lived right around the corner from that club, um, so I was like the kind of go to guy there for a while. They called me all the time, and it was great. Mm-hmm. You know, it was it was really great because it was a week long gig. It was right near my house, you know, and it was a half hour. You know, it was yeah. a half hour, uh, five nights a week, and it was awesome. Mm-hmm. You know, it was awesome. Unfortunately, I mean, the good and bad was. I didn't write as much as I should have. I became um, fearful, I think, of trying out new material mm-hmm. um, because it was a professional gig, and you know, you had to hold on to them. You know, and I was terrified of losing the crowd, of going into something new, right. and then losing them. So I was very slow to work in new material. Mm-hmm. But I became so tired of my act that I started uh, doing more crowd work mm-hmm. and that just became for for a while there it really became just my act became just a springboard to talk to the audience you yeah. know because i just hated doing the jokes over and over and over again it was i went through a real dry spell uh uh writing wise where it just i wasn't it wasn't that things weren't coming to me i think it was that i was too afraid to try it you know mm-hmm. i would do it on open mics mm-hmm. but it i was so slow to work any of that stuff into my set yeah. you know but um, so there was there was good and bad there. But uh, by the time I left Philly, I was uh, I was middling. I had <laughs> I thought I had like a solid thirty minutes, mm-hmm. you know, and I I would not do a single one of those jokes today. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God, most of them I can't remember anymore. But yeah. every once in a while, somebody that's known me for a long time will will reference one of those jokes, and it's so embarrassing. <laughs> it's so embarrassing. <laughs> like Blaine Capatch is really good for that. Yeah, because uh, yeah. I've known Blaine. I've known Blaine for as long as I've been in stand up, yeah. and he will always throw out some ancient joke of mine, and uh, it. You know, it's funny that he remembers it, but it is embarrassing. Like, yeah, I thought that was my A material. I thought that was awesome. That was definitely in the set. You know? Yeah, yeah. So what was your plan coming out here? Like, what what made you move out? Oh, well, uh, I moved out here because I was in love with this girl, um, and she moved out here. Mm-hmm. We had dated for a little bit, uh, for like a month, and uh, then we weren't dating anymore, but I was still in love with her. So uh, 
I was going to move out here, and then it was going to be like a, a wonderful romantic comedy where she was going to realize that she was also in love with me. Mm-hmm. Um, we were not watching the same movies, apparently. Um, <laughs> so uh, that didn't happen. But uh, it was the the best thing that I ever could have done. I, I got out here at such a great time mm-hmm. um, and a, a, saw so many amazing, inspiring people. Yeah. And it was the, because when I first got out here, I went to the improv. It was like my second or third night in town. I went to the improv and I was really unimpressed with the comedy. And I got so depressed because I thought, I can't start all over from scratch. I can't like wait in line at the improv mm-hmm. to get on when like this is the, these are the people that are, right. that are on right now. It's I think like, this is what well, they think they, yeah. this is what they want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, I, so I sort of gave up on stand-up for a little bit, and I mm-hmm. thought, well, I'll figure it out. You know, I, I want to do TV. I want to do film. You know, I, I'd like to do stuff, but I, I maybe stand-up is not uh, is not what's going to make it happen for me. Yeah. So I really – I was kind of lost for a little bit, and I had day jobs and everything. And then um, that's when I met uh, Jay Johnston. Right. Was uh, around the time when I was going to these alternative shows and, and – uh, um, you know, going to coffee houses and stuff like that. I went to the Uncabaret, uh, which was at Luna Park in West Hollywood at the time. And um, I I saw Todd Glass, and uh, he was sitting on a bench by this uh, a couple of people. And um, I went up to Todd, and uh, I said, hey, man. And he said, Paul F. Tompkins. And then this other dude jumped up in the air and said, you're the fucking guy I'm supposed to meet. And it was Jay. Uh, it was Jay Johnson. Who, we had a mutual friend in uh, in Adam McKay who had done stand-up in Philly, and that's right. how I knew Adam. Adam moved out to Chicago, got into Second City and improv out there, mm-hmm. and that's how he knew Jay. Yeah. So Adam called the both of us and said, you guys should meet. I think you'd really hit it off. And, like, I <laughs> I never – I think Jay called me, and I never returned the call because I thought, yeah, right. Like, that <laughs> never happens. Yeah. And Jay admitted it, too, that um, – that really does never happen. Like yeah. when somebody says, hey, I think you two guys would, would actually hit it off. That's such a rare thing that yeah. you actually do right. end up liking that person and hitting it off and everything. Right. And um, so we hung out that night. We had a great time. And then we started writing together, writing together like a week later, you know, and that was that was a huge deal for me, like mm-hmm. getting into sketch, finding somebody whose who's sensibility that I really liked and I felt that we really meshed together very well. Um and then I, that was like a whole new world opened up. And mm-hmm. I thought, oh, fantastic. You know, this is an exciting new thing. Right. And, uh, you know, I, I, it, it kind of mirrored my stand-up experience. And I'm not doing it alone. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's like the best way to get into something. It's so much more of an ease into it than just like being thrown out there cold. Yeah, you know? yeah. And um, it was fantastic. And then, you know, we ended up getting hired on Mr. Show because of right, that. Right, right. Did you – had you – Tried getting on uh, any of the alternative shows as a stand-up by yourself? I think at that point I had done uh, maybe just a couple times, mm-hmm. I th- I th- just a handful of, of appearances that, uh, you know, there was a coffee shop called The Onyx mm-hmm. um, on Vermont in Los Feliz, and, and uh, a guy named Josh Donato ran that, and... Um, uh, I think Blaine recommended me to Josh, and then mm-hmm. he put me on one night, and... Uh, you know, I I did the thing that I've seen a lot of guys do, which was do my my what I thought was my least clubby material because mm-hmm. that's all I had. You yeah. know, and um, it took me a while to sort of find my sea legs mm-hmm. on, on those stages. You know, yeah. and it took me a while to relax because 
it was just like it really was just like starting over where yeah. I I desperately needed it to be liked, you yeah. know, and I was terrified, you know, I was terrified. Like now not only are these people not gonna like me, these are people that I really respect, yeah. you know, and what if they think I'm a fucking idiot? You know, this right. is worse than the clubs, yeah. you know. This is like, like that fear of you know, going up at a regular club magnified a thousand times. Yeah. Like these are people that whose opinion actually matters to me. Yeah. So, um, so it took kinda, me. You were intimidated a little bit. I, I was terribly intimidated. Terribly yeah. intimidated. It took me a while to relax. It took mm-hmm. me a while to relax and I'll, to relax enough to sort of figure out what uh, what I wanted to say. Mm-hmm. You know, because it it was a daunting thing to have this opportunity. Like somebody says, you can say whatever you want, and then. Uh, you have to figure out what you're going to say, right. <laughs> you know, right. like, well, what do I, what do I want to express to people and what is on my mind and, yeah. and how do I want to express that? And it, right. it took me a while. It took me a while. So tell us a little about uh, us. Tell me. <laughs> and then later other <laughs> the, people. The, the dog is here. <laughs> okay. There's more than one uh, is she ever? <laughs> um, right on cue. Get him. Get him. Get him. Um, Oh, the cat just went by again, I think. Uh, so, yeah, tell me a little bit about uh, the stuff that you and Jay did uh, when you first <laughs> hooked up. The first sketch we did was for a show that this uh, very funny comic, uh, Jeff Hatz, had put together. And I, I'd known him from back east. Mm-hmm. And he called me up and uh, said, do you want to do a sketch on the show? The theme is infomercials. And uh like, okay. So Jay and I talked about it. We did this infomercial uh, sketch that was uh, it we did it like one of those ones that's a little uh a little play mm-hmm. you know that's like a little story being mm-hmm. told as yeah. opposed to you know two people standing at a counter with this amazing device yeah. you know it was these two guys talking and and uh it was for something called Tintrell which we never said what it was mm-hmm. um the idea was that maybe it was some sort of um, way of life. It was some sort of different <laughs> mode of thinking that could change how the quality of your life or yeah. whatever. We would, it would you know, like one guy going up to another guy. Oh, and we're both, we're both in suits and ties and wearing green armbands for some reason, which we never reference. Yeah. Um, you know, a guy going up to another guy. Hey, you seem a little down. What's the matter? Well, I'm not actualizing enough, you know, like all this ridiculous jargon. Yeah, yeah. And then, um, well, let's take a look at this scene. And then we would become two different people and you know, like a cop pulling somebody over. And, um, you know, this is how – essentially this is how Tintrell can work for you. <laughs> right. And I don't think we even said Tintrell until the very, very end mm-hmm. uh, where we just <laughs> – we repeated we took turns repeating the word Tintrell, then we yelled it together, and then we joined hands and ran off the stage. And uh that was that was our first sketch. Yeah. You know. Um and then we enjoyed that so much we, we ended up writing yeah, like an I guess like an hour long sort of sketch review and, and um a lot of different uh a lot of different ideas. We did uh you know, this some sketch about giant beetles. Uh taking over the world <laughs> and that would just became a discussion of uh what can we use to combat the beatles mm-hmm. um and uh it was just like a list you know we're just yeah. going back and forth saying different things and why that would not be a good idea <laughs> um, which uh, by the way i'm not opposed to list comedy i love yeah. a good list bit yeah. you know if it's a really good list you know i'm always on board um we did a sort of twilight zone parody uh called playground of the id um you know, it was like an alien uh, battling this alien in a spacesuit battling the sky. And um, then it turns out that uh, 
the aliens from Earth. That was the twist ending, you know. Uh, <laughs> it was it was fun. It was a really silly, silly show. Yeah, and um, it was uh, it was so much fun to do. We did it. We did it like half a dozen times, I think. Mm-hmm. And we worked in some new sketches uh, periodically, and and you know, then eventually got hired to do Mr. Show because of that. Yeah. So did uh, Bob or David or both of them see the show? Or? Yeah, they both saw it. Yeah, yeah. Did they had and they had seen. Uh, they'd seen us do various things. Like they'd seen me do stand up. They'd seen Jay in other shows mm-hmm. uh, doing improv and sketch and stuff. And um, you know, then saw our show together and 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 stuff that we had done on other people's shows together. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, you know, f- uh, thought that there was a, a, a similar sensibility there. So that's how we got that job. Did you know them or know of them? Or I knew of them at that point. You yeah. know, we had seen. Uh, I had seen the earliest uh, incarnations of Mr. Show when mm-hmm. they were still doing it live. Um, you know, right before they they got picked up by HBO, mm-hmm. um, and then saw the first season and had a bit part as a cop in in one of those four episodes, and uh, um, so it was you know terribly exciting. And I had been a fan of uh, Bob's from uh, the Ben Stiller show right. when I was still back in Philly, and from his stand up, you know, mm-hmm. having seen him on Comedy Central and everything. So uh, it was uh, that was very exciting, you know, because these guys were these guys were it. You yeah, know, they were really it at at the time. They were, um, you know, like the kind of thing that uh, the closest I can equate it to is is the kids in the hall of something mm-hmm. that was just completely unlike anything that I had seen. Mm-hmm. Like a, a whole sensibility, not just like a group of people uh, that were cast in a sketch show together, but like a solid, clear, direct sensibility. Yeah. They had something to say, and this is how they said it. Yeah. And um, you know, the last time I had that feeling was the kids in the hall watching that, right. uh, you know, on HBO in Philly and like, wow, this is amazing. Like these guys, like new developments in sketch comedy just don't happen that often. Right. You know? And it had been a long time since like the last thing I had seen was SCTV, you yeah. know, and it, I don't think it was until the kids that, that I felt like something new mm-hmm. had happened. And then... Uh, Mr. Show so soon after that, like relatively speaking, you right. know, like we're talking like four or five years or something yeah. between the debut of the kids and, and Bob and David. And um, it was wildly exciting, you yeah. know, to just to see those shows before I was even a part of it, just yeah. to see those shows. There was there was a, a real palpable feeling of we are seeing something entirely original happen here. Yeah. You know. So, again, was that intimidating to be asked to be a part oh of it? Oh, my God, yes. What was it like starting out? I thought I was going to get fired every day. Um, the first that when we got the job, you know, they uh, Bob and David called Jay and I in for a meeting, and uh, so I remember Bob essentially like he's saying, "So we're, you know, we're doing this thing, and you know, we got like a little more money, so we want to hire some writers and." Like, you guys are good, so, um, you know, if you want to do it, then we would hire you, you know, like, if you want to. Yeah. And uh, we're like, yeah, that sounds that sounds good. And, you know, Jay and I compared notes later. We were just trying not to freak out, you know. So we're sitting there. It's like, so let's, like, kick around some ideas or whatever. And so we start kicking around ideas for sketches. And then, like, let's go out and get some dinner. And, okay, yeah, so we go out and get some dinner. And I'm going out of my mind because I can't. I can't really be sure if it's actually happening, you know, like, did I just get this job? Is this for real? (laughs) You know, because it's Bob was so casual about it that I honestly, I, I, you know, never having had this experience before, I wasn't sure. Like, is this how you get jobs where somebody's (laughs) so conversational about it? Then you go out to dinner and whatever. And 
And so uh, we had – it was me and, and Jay and Bob and Bill Odenkirk, and we went out to dinner, and then you know we left. And then Jay and I called each other on the phone like 10 minutes later, and then we started freaking out. Mm-hmm. Like, is this for real? Is this for real? And, yeah. you know, um, it, it was – I, I still remember how that felt like that was it was crazy. Like yeah. I, I was simultaneously, you know, thrilled and I was terrified, terrified, terrified because, um, you know, it's a be careful what you wish for kind of thing. Like, yeah. well, now I I have to do something. You know, now right. I have this job and I'm expected to deliver. Yeah. You know, and I didn't have the first clue as to how to go about doing that. Right. <laughs> so, did you ever get comfortable? Uh, no, really, I never ever did. Wow, I never. I only. <laughs> I only got comfortable with Mr. Show like last year. <laughs> I swear to God. I was always – I was like – you know, I, I've calmed down a lot, but mm-hmm. I was uh, – uh, you know, as as anxiety prone as I am now, I was a fucking wreck for years and years and years. And, and I, on that job, was always intimidated by everybody and always felt like – uh, the odd man out and I'm not fitting in here and I'm not producing enough. And mm-hmm. these guys don't think I'm funny and nobody laughs at me around the office. You know, everybody else gets laughs. I don't get any laughs around the office, mm-hmm. you know, and it was, I was extraordinarily intimidated. And, uh, you know, if I was going into a situation like that today, I could handle it. No problem. Mm-hmm. And I would probably get a lot more done, you know, yeah. but at the time I was, I was just so freaked out about Everything, not just that, but like everything in my life, you know, yeah. was freaking me out. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, it was, I, I don't think I felt really comfortable like around everybody until we did uh, DVD commentary. <laughs> wow. I, I think that was the first time where uh-huh. I, I finally was like, oh, these guys are not uh, monsters who hate me. Uh, they're just some dudes. And we yeah. did a show together, yeah. <laughs> you know, and then it was a lot of fun. And I had a great time hanging out with those guys. And, you know, I did the Mr. Show uh, panel up in the San Francisco Sketch Fest earlier this year. And that was a great time, you know, and it took me forever to just relax enough to enjoy yeah. myself with those guys. Yeah. You know? I actually um, went to one Mr. Show taping season mm-hmm. four and you were doing warm up. Yeah. So uh, you must have felt somewhat not, if not comfortable, at least you were like, well, they obviously, they obviously asked you to do that, right? Yeah, but see, I was able to <laughs> – I, what you have to understand is I was able to rationalize anything like that into uh, an insult. You know what I mean? And not an insult, but like, well, you know, who else is going to do it? You know, they don't want to get an outside person and, yeah. you know, why not have me do it? It's not that they think I'm good. It's not that they believe in me. It's that <laughs> – I am across the hall, so right. you know it's it saves them time and money. I'm sure somehow you know I couldn't ever let myself believe that they actually thought I was any good, uh-huh. you know. And what's so crazy about that is, you know, that doing warm up for for that show uh, for any show is like a really taxing thing, mm-hmm. and I lucked out in that. Uh, I, I couldn't do it for any other show. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that doing warm up for that show made me a better comedian mm-hmm. um, because it it forced me to uh, think on my feet more than I ever had before. Yeah. I had so much time I had to fill and I couldn't just do my jokes because so many of that so many people in that audience. I saw I knew them, you know, yeah, I yeah. could see the faces of these people that had seen me do stand up. And I'm like, well, I can't really do my act yeah. up here, you know. Mm-hmm. So it forced me into a stream of consciousness way of thinking. Mm-hmm. And uh, it flat out made me a better performer because yeah. uh, just out of necessity. And then I started to really enjoy it. 
Yeah. You know, that was the beginnings of, of starting to kind of like doing it that way yeah, yeah. and enjoy the thrill of being on the tightrope and, you know, right. all that sort of thing. The uh, the one I was at was the story of Everest. And I just remember they had to set up the thimbles that every was a time. a really long one. And I just remember you uh, riffing on that and actually making it funny. That you know they- what? I, it's funny you mentioned that. That was the most fun I ever had doing warm-up. I had a lot of fun doing warm-up. But that one in particular, I think because it was so long, yeah. because then Bob got involved and we were all talking and, mm-hmm. you know, it was – it was really loose and really enjoyable, and everybody seemed to be in a good mood. And you know, I I remember that one stands out to me most of all mm-hmm. because it was, <laughs> it it was so long. They had, we had to do it so many yeah. times for people who even if you do remember it. Uh, basically, it was Jay Johnston falling into a rack of thimbles. It's like sixty or seventy thimbles, something like that. <laughs> yeah. Over and over. And even though I guess they had new ones, I don't even know if they had new ones set up. I've, I've talked to a few people about this, and it seems like they had to clean it up and then bring out yeah. another one. But I think they only had maybe two, so they had to keep setting them yeah. back. Yeah, yeah, at the, yeah. I mean, at bare minimum, that's what they did. And, and uh, because even if they had another one set, they still had to pick up all those goddamn thimbles from the first time. <laughs> right. um, and I think that's part of what made it so much fun was the audience. Like, there there was the, the knowledge of... Yeah. We're going to see this happen again. Right. It's going to be the same exact thing, right. and we know it. And then it becomes that uh, that very sublime thing in comedy where you start to think to yourself, "Well, how am I going to laugh at it again when I know it's coming and right. I know exactly what's going to happen?" Then you start thinking about that, and then it starts becoming funnier and funnier to right. like it's going to happen again, you know. And that that weird, the repetition thing, the thinking about it, you know, all that. That's what I love about. Uh, comedy is the the weird psychology of it, yeah, you know, yeah. um, and how you're able to go go to all those places in your mind. Like right. it's gonna fucking happen again. <laughs> He's just gonna crash into those symbols again, right. and then they're gonna have to stop and pick them all up. And you know, and I think that was four times. Did it happen? I don't, four or five it, it times. Felt where... like seven, <laughs> probably, but I don't know. It may, it may have been closer to seven. But yeah, no, you're on the show. I think it's probably maybe four. Yeah, but like. But that was also the cool thing is, like, everyone got what the end product was going to be. Like, okay, yeah. we see how the joke is going to yeah. be in yeah, the yeah. show. Yeah. But we have to watch it in super slow-mo. Yeah. It's going to be set up over and over. Yeah. And, uh, but you were there kind of, like, <laughs> laughing at it, sort of prompting everyone to, like, how fucking ridiculous is this? That was so much fun. Yeah. Um, that was a, That was actually... Yeah, that was crazy. That also one of the best episodes, but also had one of the worst sketches ever, and it, which is the the restaurant dry cleaner thing. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I was not a writer on that season, so I, right. I, I, but I remember I, I was a puzzler to me too. Like when I saw, like I, I don't, I don't know what's going on here. Yeah, everyone like talking to Scott Ackerman, whoever you talk to, they're like, oh, that. Ter-. Yeah, like they definitely. <laughs> Try to put that out there as like right. I think on the commentaries Bob even says like this is it's it man that that show was it was it, it could be really tough and yeah. I, I'm sure people have, have talked about this before the the, the links and everything mm-hmm. um, made that show uh, they were what made that show hard yeah um, because we would spend so much time on them and. You know, for the right reason, for our heart was in the right place because you, we all wanted it to be valid. Right. You know, we didn't just want it to be a cheat. But man, oh man, that was the shit that we spent the most time on. Mm-hmm. And I think that sometimes, maybe other things suffered because of it. You know, yeah. because we just spent so we devoted so much time to doing that that you, we would all get tired and burned out. And you know, um, there was one day, was it the third season? 
that we were there like something like literally 40 days in a row, mm-hmm. like Saturdays and Sundays too. We're 40 days in a row. We went in the office every day for 40 days. Yeah. And after a while, you're, you know, you're sitting down at the, the table in the writer's room and you're just looking at someone across the table from you and you're just thinking, you again. <laughs> You know, it was it was like a weird <laughs> desert island mentality. Where, right. Oh, who would I murder first? Mm, <laughs> probably him. Maybe I'll go in size order. You know, I'll go from shortest to tallest. That was crazy. And the fact that we all were able to to still get along and everything. Because then you go through the weird thing where it's funny how mm-hmm. tired you are and how yeah. how much you hate each other and yeah. you know how you're sick of seeing each other's faces. Mm-hmm. You know, but um. A lot of that was because of those fucking links, man. Yeah. And as much as, as much as they, uh, I think, enhanced the show, nobody would have missed him <laughs> if we hadn't done those links. Nobody would have said that show sucks. But it was, yeah, that's true. <laughs> but it was sort of the, in a way, even though the show didn't need it, it was the hook of the show that that everything one absolutely linked to the next. Absolutely. And, and I, I bet if 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 there had been one more season, you, you would not have seen those links. I can almost <laughs> guarantee you that everybody said, "Well, okay, we we we've done this enough now, right? right. People get it, but they're not going to be upset if the links are gone. You know, <laughs> maybe some tasteful fade ins and fade outs." But know? I feel like reading the Mister Show book and hearing the commentaries, it seems like sometimes the links ended up being some of the funniest stuff. Just oh, absolutely, because you worked so hard on them. Maybe. Absolutely. Absolutely. No, that that is definitely true. There, there were, you know, some sublime, uh, really delightful moments with those with those links. But overall, not worth it. <laughs> it was worth it for the ones that we did do. Yeah. But not worth it in terms of carrying it on. Uh, you know, ad infinitum. Right. Right. <laughs> no. I'm telling you, they they season five. They would there would have been no links, no links whatsoever. Title cards it would have been title cards. <laughs> nice. This and now a sketch in space. You know, it just right. would have been like that. Right. Uh, so you, you mentioned, uh, you were not writing anymore by the fourth season you were just an actor. Yeah. Was that a, did you make the decision partially because you, it, it, as a career move, you wanted to get more into acting? Absolutely. I, I'd always, uh, I always considered myself a performer first because mm-hmm. that was the, that was the part of it that I love the most, yeah. you know? And to this day, I hate writing. I fucking hate it. It is, it's the work that makes the performance possible, yeah. you know? And, um, uh, I, I, you know, I like I like writing with other people the most, I guess. But even then, it's like when you get stuck on something, mm-hmm. it is such a fucking drag, and it's a million times worse when you're just by yourself. You know, when I when I write sketches now, and I'm just sitting there by myself on my computer, I will do anything to avoid working on it. You yeah. know, and because it's just such a drag. Even if I have it all mapped out, like I know this is what I want to happen. Yeah, it's the actual putting it into the fucking computer and like, okay, these are funny lines, but how do we get from that line to this line? I guess say this. I don't know. <laughs> this is torture. I just want it to be done. And a lot of times for me, writing is uh, like that episode of the Simpsons when um, Bart wants to go see the itchy and scratchy movie, but he's mm-hmm. not allowed to. So uh, he's in his room and he says, well, Nothing can compete with a child's imagination. I'll just imagine my own movie. And then his thought balloon is itchy and scratchy, standing around and shrugging. And that, to me, is right. writing. Like, I'll see me and the other person on stage, and then we are just shrugging, looking at me. Um, so it's hard. I always hated the writing. So uh, what I – and I got an offer to to do a, um, a development deal with uh, HBO Independent Productions. And, um, and I took it because that was a chance to – be in front of the camera, which is like, I loved working on Mr. Show, but, um, 
I wanted to be where Bob and David were, yeah. you know, and because that looked like as much as 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 I saw them having headaches and going through uh, a lot of shit with dealing with the various people they had to deal with mm-hmm. just to do a TV show, you know, not that HBO is a horrible place or that there everybody was dicks or anything. It's just that's part of doing a TV show. Right. And I just thought, well, that's where I want to be. You know, like I want to be the guy who has the vision and, and um, you know, and has to go through all this shit to get it onto yeah. the screen, you know. So um, so I jumped at that chance and, and Bob and Dave were great about it. And they're like, absolutely, go ahead. And, and uh, you know, were gracious enough to still have me back as an actor in the fourth season, which meant, really meant a lot to me. You know, mm-hmm. I didn't want to just be done with it entirely, but, you know, I felt like I really had to do this, you yeah. know, and uh, I, I don't regret that decision. It was, it was definitely the right thing. I don't know, you know, being in the, in the, the sort of emotional place that I was in back then, I don't know if I could have survived a season four, you know, mm-hmm. of writing. Um, it was just, I, I, I didn't have the skill set. you know, I just didn't know how to deal with things. Yeah. So, did, did that deal with HBO? Is that what led to Driven to Drink? Yes. Yeah, yeah. That which, came directly out of that. Which is, uh, I think, well, for me at least, and probably for a lot of people, maybe the first time uh, we got to see what you do. Because oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah. Mr. Show, you weren't, it wasn't your sensibility. You right. were writing on it and you were performing in it, but we didn't get to see what you do as a stand-up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, that was really... And it was really an interesting showcase for it because it, it was stand up, but it also had a, a distinctive uh, tone. It, w- it was it was more narrative and and more of a one man show type vibe. Yeah, because I, I you know when I when I got that deal, I I had never done a one man show before. I always kind of wanted to, but I didn't know what it was going to be. The one thing again, I was it was easier for me to define it by what I didn't want it to be. Yeah, and I didn't want it to be just my act with a, a sort of phony framework. You right. know, so. That's why there, there, I only had one bit in there that was from my stand-up, and that was the. It was a bit about alternative pets, people that walk mm-hmm. around with like parrots and lizards on their shoulders, stuff like <laughs> right. that. And that was only because, uh, you know, HIP uh, sort of insisted that I put that in there mm-hmm. as a, as a link to my stand-up persona, which nobody knew about anyway. You know <laughs> what I mean? It's not like I was some famous dude who was taking a big detour. You got to cater to the fans, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> Look, you've been seen on TV doing stand-up over three times. <laughs> so people are going to be scratching their heads if they don't hear the bit. It, so. it says Paul F. Tompkins, and that looks like him, but I don't see his stand-up yeah. anywhere on this thing. But that, that in a way, was um, was kind of the beginning of my journey, I think, to where I am now and where I, I hope to continue going, was um, writing directly for that show and doing something where – it wasn't just stand up, but kind of having trying to make a point about something, yeah. you know, and trying to get to a philosophy behind something and, mm-hmm. and tackling um, tackling. That's very lofty. <laughs> I really tackled some issues <laughs> talking about, let's say, because that's what I did. <laughs> I talked about some things that um, that I wanted to talk about yeah. that, that sort of uh, I think philosophically was a way that I wanted to go mm-hmm. was uh you know, talking about just like bullshit in people's behaviors. And, and a lot of the stuff that I saw in Los Angeles was people who had pretensions calling other people on pretensions, mm-hmm. you know, or people that were doing their own pose, calling people out on being posers. Yeah. And it's almost like the New York thing of, you know, like uh, when they talk about L.A., that, oh, you live in Los Angeles and everybody there is phony. Like, there are no fucking phony people in New York. And right. there's nobody, you know, there's no, like, cool hipster dress code in New York. And, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's ridiculous for anybody to say, you know, um, 
you know, look at you. Who do you think you are? And we're right. like, who the fuck do you think you are? You know, yeah, everybody's yeah. got their thing. Everybody's got their their thing that makes them feel cool or makes them feel okay. And there's nothing wrong with that. Right. You know, it's when it goes too far that I think it's worthy of of mentioning. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and so yeah, that's that was kind of the beginnings of of doing that sort of thing for me. And uh, I I definitely wanted to make it more of a more of a play and less of uh, just a collection of yeah. bits. Yeah. You know. And um, I, I'm still uh, – I mean, that's something I can I can watch and not cringe too much, mm-hmm. you know, considering that it was almost 10 years ago. You know, it was 1998 that I did that special. There's stuff in it that I, I could still kind of stand by and say, yeah, I'm not embarrassed by that. Mm-hmm. There's like a few moments where it's like, oh, boy. <laughs> but, um, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm glad it's still – I'm glad it's still running. Yeah. You know, since I, I don't – it's the you know the trade off of uh, I don't get any more money for it. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a lump sum kind of deal, but uh, it still runs yeah. like all the time. So uh, and I got a lot of nice compliments on that. You know, is there any uh, chance it'll come out on DVD? Man, I don't know. I, I've been asked that a few times. I um, HBO kind of they aired those. I think there were four of them that aired once on HBO, and then they just kind of got pushed off to the mm-hmm. you know HBO Z. <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, and uh, now they're airing on Comedy Central, which is new. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, there, there there hasn't been any any talk of that, which is weird because like, everything comes out on DVD now. You know, True Calling is on DVD. <laughs> True Call. The first season of True Calling came out on DVD the day after it was canceled. Um, <laughs> so I don't know if the second season never made it out. Um, but uh, I don't know. I've been asked that, but I I don't think there's quite i don't think hbo has been besieged right. with requests right. to uh but you haven't talked to them about it there hasn't no, been i don't know you, i mean maybe it would it would, it would be kind of nice to like kind of collect that and like the comedy central special and everything mm-hmm. and, and put all that stuff together yeah i mean i can make people a dub of that on vhs from <laughs> my tivo it's in my to-do list nice. it's in my saved queue um so sometimes i'll put those on back to back for people <laughs> sweet that's a nice two-hour <laughs> so they, they can see my gradual weight loss over the course of so many years <laughs> is that a is that an sp recording that you're doing on that oh yeah sp sp yeah nice. yeah, yeah 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 great yeah no ep yeah you don't need it <laughs> <laughs> uh it's a sp 120 it's you got a 120 minute tape no you know i go to amatron and i get uh hour tapes i get 60 minute tapes oh, wow. you know so it's sp and it's it's good quality cool. then you don't have a lot of extra tape left over. yeah then you don't feel like maybe i should put an episode of west wing on here <laughs> just to use it I, I shouldn't waste all this tape oh it's the one where he gets mad at god in the cathedral i <laughs> wow, remember that was that I, the moment? Do you I, watch that show? Oh, I can watch The West Wing anytime it's on. Yeah, anytime it's on. Yeah. I was a little, a little sad to delete it from my TiVo season passes. That was why I don't need this anymore. Yeah, uh, but yeah, I can, I can watch that pretty much anytime it's on. I stopped watching it. What this, a typical nerd move when when Sorkin left. Of course, I'm done. Of course. <laughs> well, to be fair, it was up and down after that. Yeah, uh, but I did watch still, it a little and decided it, it yeah, was bad. It, it remained to me still an interesting enough setting. That um, I hadn't, I felt like I hadn't heard these stories a million times mm-hmm. before. You know, like I got burned out on Law and Order and ER and stuff yeah. like that because I, you know, if you, I, I guess I didn't like the characters enough to to keep watching those shows. You know? Well, it's just the same setting. Yeah, like you said, it's like a, oh, a hospital. How much you know? You know what's <laughs> right. what's going to happen. I've seen San elsewhere. Yeah, <laughs> until they started going to Iraq, and but even then, <laughs> I was like, I don't know. But that's what I felt like. It started becoming ER in the West Wing or yeah. ER in the White House. I got you. ER in the West Wing. Well, that's what it was. <laughs> Remember <laughs> it was when the ER West went to the West Wing? They had that awesome crossover. Um, but anyway, uh, but you, you've taken issue with people on stage 
uh, with criticizing The Sopranos, <laughs> even yeah. though it's like yeah, yeah, yeah. the best show on television. Yeah. I have to admit, at the time you said that, I was like, I was slow to warm to this season, and mm. I was like, wait a minute, Paul. <laughs> it's been, it has been trying. You have to admit. Dude, this it was season. a little trying at I, the beginning. I was on board from the word really? go. Yeah, I love it. I'm into it now, but. But here's the thing is, I was talking to somebody about this the other day that I think the thing about The Sopranos is. There is the ongoing story, yeah. but there's also episodes that are purely thematic. Yeah. You know, like Christopher going to Hollywood and getting mad right. and, and punching out Lauren Bacall. <laughs> you know, somebody was saying, well, what, he punches out Lauren Bacall? And I said, but that's what, that's what that was about. It's yeah. not about what are the repercussions of him punching Lauren Bacall. <laughs> hey, we're never going to hear about that again. It's like the Russian guy in the woods. We're never going to hear about that right. guy again. Maybe we will. Who knows? But it's all about – some of those episodes are just sort of standalone mm. stories, and they're about – a theme as yeah. opposed to what's going to happen with these people, you yeah. know? And I love that about the show that they yeah. can do that. And I feel like I feel, I feel satisfied when I'm able to say, okay, that was just about that. That's yeah. not about yeah. the larger story. They were just trying to make a point about this. And, yeah. um, I love it for that reason. Yeah. You know? So yeah, I was, I was on board from the beginning. I have yeah. to say, I think I just was uh, harboring. I was a little, I resent the fact that they leave for two years. Absolutely. And, and come back as if, we as if we've been watching the reruns every week in yeah. the meantime, and I yeah, don't, yeah, yeah. and I just have too much in my head. It's like, can you please tell me? <laughs> oh, give me poor some... <laughs> man, I have too hey. much in my head. <laughs> not a, I'm not even saying that. A, I don't mean my own ideas. I poor mean other, you, <laughs> other right? other uh, people's stories. Like it's not, it's not a boast. I have too many other shows in my head. <laughs> right. I have to. Keep... I'm supposed to be keeping track of what Echo is doing, <laughs> and like I'm, I'm lost, and what uh, you know. Boy, he loves pushing that button now. Yeah, that's okay. become his new god. He loves it. He just—it's like he found a new religion. I will mourn for her in my own way. <laughs> click, click, click. <laughs> that was another show, though. That when that when that when the new season of that started, yeah. people were like, "Well, finally something happened." Four seasons in, it's like there's so much shit that's going on. This is the second season. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I have not in the middle of this season. I was a little like, okay, but but it well, just got see, so good. Here's in the, the thing, last few weeks. The thing about Lost for me is. They're never going to resolve any of this no. shit, and I'm fine with that. Yeah. You know, it's all about it's about the characters, and it's about the backstories of the characters, yeah. and, and getting to know them, and it's about crazy shit continuing to happen. Right. So that's what's going to happen. It's yeah. never going to get resolved when they finally get canceled, like mid season, and then they are like, "Well, now we got to fucking wrap this up." Right. You know, I'm sure they already have they have that script in the drawer for like right. when in case of cancellation, here's what happens. <laughs> you know, right. and until then, they're just going to do more crazy shit. Yeah, but they have to. They have to at least pretend like it's going somewhere, or else people will check it. I, out. Which I think they do. They do. I a good think job they of do it. pretend that it's going I mean, somewhere. My only frustration this this season has been: uh, Do they not even care? I think you might have even said this on stage. Do they not even care that they're stuck on an island anymore? It's like nobody was talking about it or saying it, or like no one was making an effort to to get off the island. Yeah, anymore. it wasn't until. Um, and that's already that that thread is already gone. Yeah. But the one the one guy who was one of the tailies, um, who was married to the serene black lady, uh, who knew that Jesus would bring her husband back. <laughs> Did you to just her. call them the tailies? Yeah, the, from that's the what tail? they called them on the show. Oh, okay. I, I, Come on, I got too much in my head, so Paul. I, <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember nicknames. For is Irina Derevko really back from the dead? Um, so oh, boy, did I just so, I checked out on that? You thing. checked out on that? Yeah, uh, three I'm, years st ago. I'm still in it to win it. As soon as Sorkin um, left that show. <laughs> <laughs> you, you wrote that, right? Went to a visit. <laughs> he visited the set of Alias, and then when he left, I checked out. Um, he he came 
it was like mid this season where yeah. he said, "I'm gonna we're gonna build a signal fire and right, uh, we're right. gonna try to get off." And that was just on that one episode, and then it was never mentioned again. Right. But I, I can't remember if they talked him out of wanting to be rescued. Yeah, <laughs> but, yeah. But yeah, there was a weird, and I wonder if that's intentional. I don't know if it is, but yeah. that people just sort of accept. But all in all, it's not that bad. I have yeah. to say, especially since they sound they found food and everything right. that. Well, that's I, I'm just such a I'm so literal minded that like I don't ca- I don't care that they don't want to get off anymore. I just need them to say that. Exactly. I, I need to have a I scene where they go, all right, so we're cool. This right, we're gonna stay here. <laughs> right. We're all gonna live on this yeah, island yeah, yeah. now. As, as long as just that's like, out there. If some if like they come back from commercial and then you see everybody with their hands up and then they all put their hands down, <laughs> so it's agreed. We're okay with staying on this island. Right. Now, the next order of business is god darn hash. We, what are we gonna do what about the gonna... black smoke monster? <laughs> Yeah, that, that echo. He stood up to it, and then it seemed like he he did. He did. Now it's gone. It hasn't been back since. He's like, oh man, he that stared African it down. guy was angry. He stared it down. Decided to stay in its hole for a while. That's right. <laughs> it'll be back. I think it'll be back. I just like that. It's been so good. How the boat. This is so boring to people who don't watch the show. I just realized <laughs> we're gonna go. I, as I started going, like we're gonna keep going with Lost. Yes, we are. Hey, if you're on iTunes anyway, why don't you download some episodes of Lost yeah, or watch them for free on ABC.com? <laughs> Accessing Music Store. Free plug. Um, I'm gonna uh, call ABC and say like, you owe can me. you watch episodes of Lost on ABC.com? Yeah, just full episodes. A couple weeks ago, it's streaming on ABC for free now. Holy macaroni! But and yet they're still charging on iTunes because they figure. Well, if people want to take it with them somewhere, they're still going to have to pay. That's true. It's like buying a DVD as opposed to watching it on TV. That I makes guess. sense. But anyway, uh, I, I just love the, the the end of this last episode when the boat the boat shows up because that's the kind of thing. It's like, oh, <laughs> like that's all you want from a show like this. It's on now. Yeah, we're like, oh, fucking sailboat, <laughs> motherfuckers. <laughs> it looks like a nice boat, too. It does. I bet it's expensive. It's a yacht of some kind. It's definitely <laughs> lower cabins. Is anybody going to be on it or do you think it's going to be a ghost ship? <laughs> I bet it's a ghost ship. What if it was a, a tie because it's ABC Disney? What if it was a tie into the uh, Dead Man's Chest Pirates of the Caribbean? Oh, I sequel? hope so. Oh, I God, hope so. What if Jack Sparrow <laughs> climbed out of the hat? Hey! Probably not him, but maybe Orlando Bloom. Yeah. Because they're ho- his hobbit buddies on the island. <laughs> like they wow. talked him into. That would be amazing. Please, Orlando. It would mean so much. That's going to happen. School. Like, like season eight when they, well, the wheels have officially come off and they start doing time. Like, like, yes, because it's an alternate reality and uh, it is the guy. It's not just the actor. It's actually the character. It's a Lego from Lord of the Rings. <laughs> Oh, that would be terrible. That's I want to see Magneto and Gandalf have a battle. <laughs> <laughs> on Lost. Yeah, on the island with the black smoke as the referee. <laughs> and then a volleyball becomes someone's friend. <laughs> and yeah. Gilligan screws it up. <laughs> All right, let's, let's for the love of God, take it back to comedy. Oh, that's right, comedy. Well, while we wa- let's wrap it up. But uh, um, <laughs> well, we're, we're closing on an hour and a this half. This is my big interview. We talked yeah. for 20 minutes about TV shows. Yeah, well... It's Fair fun enough. because it, it is fun. People like to hear your thoughts on things. I'm, I'm sure they do. <laughs> that ties into <laughs> best week ever. You're, oh sure, you get approached a lot uh, on the street. Uh, not here, but other places. When I yeah. travel, I get recognized for best week ever. They but, use you uh, a lot on that. That's uh, they do. Yeah, you know, it's it's a really it's such a weird thing. Um, and it's like uh, they did a pilot a couple years ago. And uh, they asked me to do the pilot, and I was like, yeah. And I, I think I was hungover, and I went and did the pilot. Mm-hmm. And um, 
then uh, it got picked up, and I'm doing it, and and it's become something that I really, really enjoy doing. I like the people, and it's it's uh, there's like a it's a fun challenge for me because yeah. it's a lot of the shit I'm either sick of talking about, mm-hmm. um, or I just don't care about, or I just don't know about. Yeah. You know, so the challenge for me is. Um, how can I make this fun for me? Right. And how can I? And I think you can see it. Like, I won't. I refuse to do any straight setups for things. Mm-hmm. I always have to throw a weird voice on it or whatever yeah. because when I sort of caught on, like, oh, sometimes they'll just use the setup part and they'll right. cut out my joke. That's like, really painful. Okay, then I'm always going to be funny the whole time I'm on, <laughs> no matter what you use for me. It's going to be me being funny, and it's it's sort of like a battle between me and the editor, you know, right. to see if, if, if they can catch me in a moment where I'm just speaking completely straight. Right. <laughs> and I refuse to give them that. And like, there's been a couple of times in the, in the last couple of episodes where, Oh, they fucking got me. <laughs> like that was, they, they cut it off just in time. Yeah. Um, so, but I, I really enjoy doing that show. It is, it is a lot of fun. It's just goofy. I just yeah. like to be fucking goofy. And, and the other side of that weird thing is like in a similar path i've been getting used on uh on countdown the keith olbermann show mm-hmm. because my friend uh brian unger has guest hosted a few times and he called me in um i, I just did it for the third time uh this past friday mm-hmm. and um so i did uh, two with brian and one with keith and it's sort of the same subject matter you know mm-hmm. it's sort of pop culture celebrity kind of thing but i i sort of get to go a little uh, darker and a little smarter on that show mm. um, and in, in, in a much calmer way, yeah. you know, because it's live and it's right. just happening, you know. Right. So uh, it's like, you know, uh, two sides of the same coin of the yeah. same. There was like on Friday night, I had different comments on Paul McCartney's marriage breaking up mm-hmm. on both shows. Mm-hmm. And uh, on a countdown show, I got to reference uh, his wife's amputated leg. So uh, I was kind of uh, delighted about that. Right. Uh, so the suggestion there was that, uh, um, you know, McCartney is saying that uh, their marriage dissolved because of uh, media pressure. Mm-hmm. And if a Beatle is saying that yeah. the media was too much for the marriage, you got to figure there was something else going on. Right. You right. know, and uh, I think it was that there was probably they had problems way, way earlier but um, if you think it's hard to break up with someone under normal circumstances, it's a million times harder if that person only has one leg, you know. <laughs> and uh, a gentleman waits four years. <laughs> That's Emily Post. A one-legged breakup. <laughs> exactly. Four years is yeah. Late. It's okay. in there. It's That's in there. Good rule. I actually had a one-legged roommate in college. Really? Yeah. It's the freakiest thing in the world. Yeah. <laughs> when I was a kid, I my my sister had a friend who uh, had a, a a false leg, mm-hmm. and. Uh, he crashed on the couch one time, and in the morning I saw it. I saw, like, the leg leaning against the wall, and it fucking freaked me out. Yeah. Well, the thing is, uh, this guy lost it in an accident in, in high school, and it was a terrible situation. Mm-hmm. He was, like, had a scholarship to play Division One soccer. Did you know him when he had two legs? No. Oh, okay. No, only with the one leg. Anyway, it, it was it was bad. He, he like, had a, uh, you know, could have ended up becoming, like, a professional soccer player, basically, but then lost his leg. If his story is true. <laughs> but let me just say, <laughs> this guy, no one has abused the kindness of others the way this dude. I mean, it was unbelievable. Like, well, do you have people carry him places? <laughs> <laughs> no, okay, I didn't go that far. <laughs> when he was drunk, yeah, actually, well, pretty much. Not, 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 not literally carry him, but I mean, like, he basically had a girlfriend who was his maid. Like, she would just, like, do his laundry and, like, do all the stuff. And, and it was just kind of like this thing of, like, oh, well, you know. Like, but he, he just, like, he knew that people would sympathize. And then. Wow. Just, yeah. 
That's the kind of assholery you can only get away with in college. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I haven't seen him in a few years. Because everybody's drunk all the time. <laughs> right. So you don't know enough to be really outraged. <laughs> right. Well, it's just kind of like he, he was a very like confident, you know, like charming guy. And I think he just kind of won people over. It was like, hey, you didn't expect happy guy to come out of one leg. You know, it's like it's like the combination of confidence and, and, and amputee was like too much for people to com- compute. Wow. So just kind of, yeah. That dude is a hero. <laughs> I'm going to start telling people I have a false leg. I can affect a slight limp. Yeah. Um Anyway, why did I get off on that? We're, we're trying to. Well, we were, we were. Oh, I know what I was going to say about best week ever. What I like is that a lot of times I can tell just by the way you're talking about something that you don't, you've not heard of it oh, until they brought it up. But you're just you're commenting on it like ironically that you really care a lot, and you're basically making fun of yeah. the fact that people are care enough to talk about yeah, this. Absolutely, and uh, and that kind of gives the show. I, I hope I imagine they use you because. It kind of balances out the sort of trashy tabloid sort of angle. Yeah, and of- and I think also because that is an aspect of the show is mm-hmm. is um, what what's what's good about that show is that they are making fun of the fact that we care about this shit. Yeah, you know yeah. that that we get into pop culture, so they're they are celebrating it and making fun of it at the same time. Yeah. And you know, uh, some people slam that show. I think it's it's perfectly entertaining. I yeah. mean, you know, some they've cut down on the panelists. Um, mm-hmm. Because uh, they had a lot of people on there for a while, and they were bringing new people in all the time. Right. Um, I think that was a smart move, and they've gotten it down to I think the the, the more consistent mm-hmm. people, you know, mm-hmm. in recent weeks. Yeah, and uh, it's it's a really fun show to do. Yeah, I I think what well, the one th- I love it. I watch it every week, but uh, <laughs> but I, I noticed just this week. Maybe it's happened a couple of times, but when the narrator starts like when when he has an opinion like or, or like when the show has an opinion and right. it comes out of the narrator's mouth I, that's yeah. jarring <laughs> it is jarring it's the like, thing about paul abdul about uh you know simon cowell grabbing paul maybe abdul. that was it yeah i don't remember what the thing was simon cowell went where many men have gone before it's like wow that's kind of judgmental yeah i mean actually i don't think that's what it was oh man this now it's gonna oh and i know you have a personal thing about paul abdul too <laughs> i do yeah i listen to all the podcasts oh god man. yes well that that was yeah that that maybe affected me on a different level. <laughs> I actually was doing something. Oh, I was putting phone numbers in my new cell phone, and it was just playing. And I heard that, and I looked up. Paula? And, and I was like, wait a minute. My wife was watching, and I was like, wait, wait, wait. Back that up. What happened? What happened? And did I was you like, actually say Paula in that way? Paula? <laughs> I, I, don't think, I don't think I did. What if I did? Are you calling me? Are you talking to <laughs> no, me? No, I just was I was like, wait, what exact, What did he do? And then, because they were talking about it like it was some crazy, you know, personal violation. And it seemed to be, actually. It did seem to be, yeah. And, and he, I saw he, that episode of American Idol. I don't remember that happening. And I wondered yeah. if it got cut out but it's a west it's live here on the west coast so you would know oh it's live on the east coast it's live to the east coast yeah, that's yeah. right so maybe, so maybe they, they cut, cut that, that out yeah. mm. but then best week ever scooped it up that's right but that's uh, right. actually what did happen in that moment as you were uh, asking i said uh did, i actually said to my wife did he grab her cooch <laughs> and then and then my wife said did you say cooch <laughs> and i that's true i'd never say that so. so you guys are still discovering each other <laughs> it's amazing uh all right well, we could go on forever. I mean, I want—I I actually wanted to talk more about stand-up stuff, but we covered that at the beginning. We'll have you back at some point. I'd be happy to. Now come that back. we've got the background, uh, the, the <laughs> history, we didn't even talk about Tenacious D. That's oh, true. God, That's true. Which is how a special thing started in the first place. That exactly. That was the one thing. You know what? We'll save that for pod sweeps. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's true. The last. I week just of- did. I just did reshoots on the movie. 
Um, uh, really? Because they, they shot a new ending, which oh, is wow. awesome. It's really, really funny. Oh, cool. And uh, I was excited that that meant I was still in the movie at the end. Nice. <laughs> well, let's maybe we'll, ha- if not sooner, we'll have you back around when Anytime. the movie comes out and we can get into the whole history of Tenacious D. Absolutely. You were a witness to on some level. Yeah, on some level, yes. Uh, that's a teaser. Not going to go into it. <laughs> Even though we really don't have to stop. We can stop whenever we want. But Consider yourselves teased. Yeah. Uh, that'll be fun. Um, <laughs> it will be. Yeah. What, what, I don't know why. Yeah, it will be. It's not, I'm not saying that ironically. I had to giggle about that. Yeah, sorry. All right. Show's coming out this week. Well, th- we're, we're doing this on a Sunday. You're going to be at the, uh, the excellent uh, Room 5 show tonight. Yes, 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 yes. It's but, a good lineup. I can't remember who's on, but it's a good lineup. I think Jared Grody. Yeah, uh, he's going to do like a long set or something. Yeah. Um, and some other people, Seth Morris, Daniel Koenig. Mm-hmm. But you know what? By the time this is on the internet, that will have already happened. You've already seen it. You've missed what it. What did you think, everybody? Uh, Pretty good, yeah, right? Go into the thread and tell us. Uh, <laughs> all right. So let's start with what What have you got coming up this week? I'm going to look here. You're definitely doing – well, we're going to get to that later. You're doing a show on Saturday with uh, Andrew Donnelly. But um, before that happens, mm-hmm. we've got uh, a good show. Death Ray has got Sarah Silverman, Doug Benson. Scott Ackerman is doing something. Mm. Solo. That will be interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, well, there's also, before that happens, yeah. uh, I'm doing the Paul F. Tompkins show oh, what? Monday at Largo. Yeah. Hello. Which we didn't talk about at all. Yeah, that's another thing. Part two, everybody. That's what we would have gotten to <laughs> after Best Week Ever <laughs> as the sort of... The, just, you had it in order. Yeah, like, just talk about the current state of your <laughs> right. of your stand-up right. and everything. You do the show once a month at, at Largo. Yeah. And we don't have to. We don't have to talk about it now. Yeah, no, no. But just <laughs> quickly, quickly, quickly. I, I just wanted to ask: Is that kind of because I, I know that's like one of the most fun things you do, right? Like yeah, that's your yeah, maybe yeah. your favorite thing that you do. Um, is that kind of what you wanted to do, or is that what you would want to do if someone said, "Hey, here's a television show"? It is now. You know, it is now. It, I kind of fell into it by accident. I did it just because I felt like doing something. Yeah. I wanted to do something that was purely creative that wasn't like a, a TV pitch or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Like just let me do something that's just for a live audience, just yeah. to have fun. And then it ended up being I, I didn't expect to like it so much. Yeah. You know. So yeah, I would I would love to have that be my job. You know? So it's you and 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 music and, and yeah, comedy. Music and comedy and yeah. Who's on it this week? This week is uh Grant Lee Phillips is our musical guest and uh Miss Paget Brewster will be our uh sketch guest. Wow. We're gonna cool. do a little sketch together, yeah. All right, excellent. Uh, all right, so check that out at Largo. Uh, Tuesday Comedy Death Ray, very funny. Scott Ackerman's going to be doing something <laughs> intriguing. Um, but go to Largo-LA.com if you want to find out more about yeah, Paul's yeah, show. Yeah, yeah. Um, or Paul com probably. Um, <laughs> i got to get that site together. <laughs> yeah, I thought there was going to be an so update. Bad. Yeah. Or a was, redesign. Yeah, that was a million years ago. I'm <laughs> lazy about that thing. Because I right. don't look at it. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. It's not a site that I check to see if there's any new content. <laughs> right. So I fucking forget about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're the one who's supposed to be up on that. Um, all right, Wednesday. Have you have you seen this guy, Will Franken? Uh, no, I've heard the name a lot, but I haven't seen him. He's uh, from San Francisco. He's doing a show at the UCB. Mm-hmm. Um uh, called Good Luck with It. He's cool. Like, he he's really funny. Um, does yeah, kind of character stuff mm-hmm. um, without any pretense. Like he just kind of goes into characters and right. and and it's it's really cool. It's it's uh it's a little different than than what you what pe- what most people are doing these days. So I, I enjoy that. Sounds good. All right. Um, Thursday, if you want to go back to back, um, two shows in one night. Well, actually, it's three. But uh, Neil and Paul's Growing Up Is Tough is on Thursday at the UCB. After Camp Hot, which I actually don't know what that is, but those are grouped together. And then the Doug Benson interruption. Oh, snap. What 
It's uh, on now. You're on that pretty much every month. I'm a I'm an interruption regular. Yeah. And uh, I, <laughs> I actually I feel kind of terrible about this. I turned down a uh, a benefit because it was the same <laughs> night as Doug's show, and I actually would have done both because I've 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 double dipped before. Yeah. But they were just too far away from each other. Yeah. You know, and uh, and I was committed to Doug's show first. So mm-hmm. so I, my apologies again to Janet Varney, and please, uh, I will I will absolutely do the next one whenever you line that up. <laughs> Speaking of Janet Varney, Friday night, uh, her fiance and uh, his musical partner Chris Hardwick and Paul, uh, Mike Furman are doing Audios Amigos at the uh, UCB Theater. These are all UCB Theater shows. That's kind of they are. It's kind of unfair of me to to just talk about that. Well, they have a lot of shows. They do. And then and then Saturday, you're on standing and talking with Andrew Donnelly. Uh, yeah, and that's a fun show. Yeah, I, I did that is. once before, and I really really enjoyed it. It's uh, it's a really good vibe. Andrew's really funny, and I think it's. Me and Jen Kirkman and right. Sean Conroy, maybe. Right. Exactly. Oh, folks, come on! And it's like longer sets. It's it's yeah. it's uh, it's kind of interesting to see uh, these comics who do death ray type shows a lot uh, stretch it out a little and and uh, and just uh, go a little deeper. Yeah, I guess exactly. Um, member of the week. It's got to be. May I reveal the member of the week? You may, even though uh, I have to say it was not just decided at the spur of the moment. Not at all. And it wasn't me just saying to the guest, hey, who do you think it should no, be? We've been talking about this for weeks. We, well, we have been talking about it for weeks, but in fact, the member of the week is chosen by a proprietary algorithm from an MIT computer. Right. We were hoping that we it were, was going to be this person. We were actually, yeah, we were crossing you our fingers. You can't influence the algorithm. Nope. Um, they're impartial. It's true. Uh, it turns out the member of the week, Scott Ackerman. Yay, Scott Ackerman. Congratulations. You did it, buddy. Member of the week. And Scott cares about it more than anyone. I mean, he sounds like it. He would, he would never campaign for it. Nope. You know what I mean? But, uh, you can't. I know it's something that he pays close, close attention to. Yeah. And, uh, I I can't think of anyone who deserves it more or, (laughs) or more randomly. <laughs> well, it does sometimes seem random, but this time there is a I, true it purpose. It does to... seem random, and yet... well, what can you do? I mean, uh, this is the 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 algorithm speaks yeah. uh, in mysterious ways. But I and think we say how high, <laughs> like Lost. I think it will all make sense at the end of time. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> when we look back and go, I see. It's like a mosaic. A close up. It doesn't make any sense. Right. 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 You pull back and see yeah. all the members of the yeah, week yeah. in a in a group. You'll yeah. go. Oh my God! <laughs> that is the the Congress. That's it's, the U.S. Congress. It's the, full it's, of stars. Uh, <laughs> well, I, I'm just I'm just saying. In, in 50 years, these people will yeah. all convene to do something, and then uh, then people will see what the they'll save the, the planet. They'll see the algorithm's method mm-hmm. in in this grouping. Uh, so anyway, congratulations, uh, Scott. Uh, even though you you questioned the legitimacy. Of, Wait, what? Well, that was on another podcast. He he wondered why we even do this. Oh no, I don't like the. Well, then it's ironic that he <laughs> was named little, the member of the week. It's a little odd. The guy who's against the concept from the start and yeah. questions it. Maybe the algorithm is telling him something. Like, mm. don't question it. <laughs> don't I question wish, me. I wish the algorithm would speak to me sometimes. <laughs> I wish I could stop talking about the algorithm. <laughs> All right, that's the show for this week. Uh, I want to thank Paul F. Tompkins for being our guest thank you for uh, me. and for tolerating the many diversions and, uh, <laughs> and also the distractions of my dog. Who uh, don't you have a yard? I mean, yeah, but if we put her out there, she'd just come back and and uh, or be a scratch at the door. Oh well, I see who's in charge. Yeah, <laughs> yes, you do. So uh, oh, that, now, now she's fine. Right? Yeah. <laughs> at, at minute one thirty, she goes. I'm just going to lie down and relax. <laughs> Uh, all right. Well, that's part of the charm of this crazy, wacky thing we Indeed. call AST Radio. Uh, 
I want to thank everybody for listening. And until next week, we will see you on the board.